It's one fall match, no time limit. Like to introduce now a man who has upheld the honor of wrestling in many places, in many times, with many people. At 234 pounds, from Memphis, Tennessee, ladies and gentlemen, the AWA World Champion, Jerry the King Lawler. I just wanted to say and repeat what's been said so many times before tonight. It's all come down to this. There should only be one world heavyweight champion, and after this match is over, there will be only one world heavyweight champion. And I understand that a lot of people out here, like Terry Von Erich, I understand a lot of people watching, like Terry Von Erich. And I'm going to tell you this, I got all the respect in the world for Terry Von Erich myself. But I'll also tell you this, I'm going to beat Terry Von Erich right here. There he is, the king, Jerry Lawler. No time limit, no disqualification. Two men walk into the ring with belts. Only one man is going to walk out as the heavyweight champion of the world. And this place, the University of Illinois Chicago Pavilion, is erupting. Here he comes from Denton County, Texas, the modern-day warrior, the WCCW heavyweight champion of the world. Somebody looks like if they were cut out of rock. Wait until this kid takes off this ring robe. He is a specimen. All right, let's get the official introduction. And now, from Vincent Pence, Texas, at 265 pounds, wearing the WCCW World Championship belt, ladies and gentlemen, Kerry. your butt from one end of Chicago all the way to the other. Championship Wrestling. The AWA presents the greatest stars in professional wrestling, bringing you the best in mat action. North South Connection, welcome to episode number one of a new podcast on the feed that I am very happy to bring you. 
I am one of your hosts, Sean Kidd, and tonight, welcome to episode number one of Territorial. And we will get to what Territorial is going to be about here in a minute. Uh, but this for this first episode, I am going to be flying solo because I want to set up for you what the show premise is about, what we're going to talk about, and the journey we're going to go on as we begin this podcast. Normally, I would be joined by my co-host, uh, Scott Shiflett, who many of you may know from pods uh, across the board on the PTM the PTBN feed, but uh, was really one of my uh, journeyman co-hosts when we did Seven Months of Danger. And you can also hear him on the feed doing uh, Linking Up Lucha with me, with Logan Crossland, uh, Jennifer Smith, and Jacob Williams here on the feed as well. But this brand new concept, uh, I reached out to JT and said, hey, I have this thought. This is a pod that I would like to really do to kind of, kind of came out of Seven Months of Danger a little bit, but kind of going back and looking at wrestling from the past, but doing it in a little real non-traditional way. Like we have a lot of pods that look at, you know, time frames and times and certain, you know, niche wrestling audience that we go for. Um, over on PTBN, I still do NWA Crock and Roll that looks at the entire uh, Crock and Roll, uh, Crockett run of uh, the NWA that I also happen to do with Shift. But what Seven Months of Danger really got out for me was, how about these pods that are just centered on these little bits of time? Seven Months of Danger took a year, um, but it was only seven months that we covered. But how do we go differently in that and create a new concept to go back and really embellish that, but also cover different things that don't take a year uh, to cover? So welcome to Territorial. And what this is going to do is we are going to go back to the Territory days. And we are going to look at feuds individually from territories over the course of time. So it could be WWF, it could be USWA, it could be Mid-South, uh, it could be AWA, it could be Memphis. Uh, just going back and look at the territories, the territories had a lot, a lot of great feuds, a lot of great wrestling. And, you know, most of the pods that are out there are centered on just one niche. It's like time frames of, hey, you know, we had WCW, we had the NWO, we had... Um, WWF, uh, the over on the PTVM feed, the mothership covers, uh, you know, each monthly pay-per-view. I wanted to go back and look at feuds and feuds that were in the territory and go back and rewatch them and have a pod about it and talk about it with you, the audience. Um, I reached out to Shift and say, hey, Shift, I have this great concept kind of spinning out of seven months of danger. And I want to call it territorial. And really what it's about is it's about the territories and almost like a tutorial of, the feuds that were happening and the individual feuds we were looking at. So hence the name Territorial. Um, yes, I'll pat myself on the back for the name of that. Uh, I thought that was pretty, uh, that was pretty on the fly. Great, but maybe I'm just, maybe I'm giving myself too much credit. But again, I, you know, so many feuds over the course of time, I've already mapped out probably 25 to 30 that I would, we'd like to do on this show. Uh, Shift will definitely be joining me on this next episode. But um, as I was thinking through the first one, I really, really wanted to hit home on was, you know, what feud that I can remember that, you know, is pretty notorious, but at the same time, was it as in-depth covered? Like, how did you start? How, what was the middle? Um, what was the end game? And that's kind of what our premises are going to be as we get to the end of these is at the end of each episode, we'll talk about, hey, what do we think about the start of the feud? What do we think about the middle of the feud? And what do we think about the end of the feud? Um, and then we'll just talk about what the best match was and whether we'd recommend for you guys to go back and rewatch the feud. So um, that is pretty much the premise of this podcast. So with that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump into what our first topic is going to be here on our first episode. Uh, and we're going to go back to 1988. And if you think about 1988 and wrestling, there was so much going on. 
Uh, you had the ascension of the Macho Man uh, becoming the World Wrestling Federation champion. Over in the NWA, you had the ascension of Lex Luger uh, leaving the Four Horsemen. That led to that Great American Bash match uh, with Flair. Um, you also had the actual true traditional breakup of um, the original Four Horsemen when Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson left in uh, September of that year. But there was a lot of other wrestling going on, a lot of still territory stuff going on. I mean, you had uh, the powerful women of wrestling that had spun out of uh, GLOW uh, under David McLean. You had Continental still going on. You still had um, the Memphis territory going on. I mean, there's so uh, Portland was still going on. So the territories were still strong in 1988. But what we also had is we had really two big main number three and number four promotions. So I would say WWF is number one. The NWA was number two. And then you had World Class and you had the AWA. Now, some would say that both of them were on the tail end of where they were, you know, their lifeline. And to be honest, yeah, they were. Because, uh, uh, you know, after we cover this time frame and where we end this match feud we're going to talk about, uh, AWA was done within the next year and a half. And World Class had actually folded even quicker. But this feud really, really brought a lot of interest. And if at the time you were around and watching the syndicated TV and in the context of your number three and number four promotion doing something like this and not knowing of the uh, behind the scenes stuff that was going on as far as our financial situation, the booking situation or whatever, and you were just a pure wrestling fan. For me, I was 15 when this feud came out. And so I was like, man, I really want to go back and take a look at how this began because I don't really remember how it began Obviously, I knew the end game, and we're going to talk about that, but we're going to look at tonight Jerry the King Lawler versus Kerry Von Erich and how he led to Super Clash and merging the World Class title and the AWA World title for one champion. And again, back at this time frame, really, really unheard of of doing something like this. Uh, these are the top, this is the number three and number four promotion. So think about if Randy Savage and Ric Flair, who have obviously had matches, but in 88, and then in, um, they had taken the WWF title and they had taken the Ric Flair world title in the NWA and they had done a unification match. What a big freaking show that would have been. But no, we're doing it here with uh, the, the number three and number four promotion and it's Lawler and Kerry Von Erich. So let's give it a little history of how we led up to this and then we'll jump right into it. So Jerry the King Lawler um, has traditionally just been in Memphis at the AWA his whole life for the most part. Um, but mainly in Memphis, but then uh, in 1988 of May of 88, he won the world heavyweight title from one Kurt Hennig. So we had an AWA world champion. So at an over world class, Kerry Von Erich has been in world class his whole career. Um, obviously he was NWA world champion. He's wrestled in Japan, but world class was really, really his niche and where he came from. His dad owned a promotion and you know, that was his home. So, in June of 88, something happened on TV while I was watching World Class one day that shocked me. And what happened was Jerry the King Lawler, and this is, I believe, on the June 25th, 1988 of World Class, Jerry the King Lawler just shows up randomly on the show. And uh, Mark Lawrence, who is the announcer at the time, says, hey, uh, in spirit of our open door policy, the new AWA world champion, uh, Jerry the King Lawler is here joining us and he's taken on Terry Taylor in a non-title match. Uh, you know, Terry uh, Lawler is obviously the AWA world champion, and Terry Taylor is actually the Texas heavyweight champion, and he's in the midst of this huge feud at the time with Gentleman Chris Adams, which, 
By the way, uh, Adams and Taylor one day will be one of the feuds we cover on this podcast. Uh, one thing I did want to mention is not every feud will be one episode. This one tonight will be. But as we cover some more extensive feuds, uh, they could go two, they could go three, they could go four episodes, but we're going to really go in depth on these. But tonight it'll be one episode. So at any rate, uh, Lawler shows up on World Class, non-title match with Terry Taylor. Uh, so before the match starts, uh, we get an appearance by one Kerry Von Erich, which you are going to listen to right now. Now, Kerry Von Erich is coming down the aisle and he has his World Heavyweight title belt with him. The modern-day warrior is coming up to the ring. There he is, Caravan Eric. I see Frank Nissig with world-class who quickly darts in to make sure that no scuffle breaks loose. Bronco Lubitsch, another referee, has arrived. And the fans are rolling here in Dallas. Carry, carry. Let's go to the ring and see what they want. They've got the microphone with them. Gary has the mic, but doesn't want to say anything. Here he is. First of all, I didn't come out here to fight. First of all, welcome to Dallas. Congratulations on beating Kurt Henning for the AWA World Heavyweight title. But there's two things. There's two things. This is my home. And second of all, in Dallas, and the whole world sees me as the World Heavyweight Champion. Now just listen, all. My proposal is put my belt against your belt and let's make one world champion well that's quite an invitation from Kerry Von Erich but we'll have to elaborate more on this when we come back after a quick break here well let's wait and see what the response is let me just say this Kerry Von Erich I have heard all about you your reputation precedes you it's known you know worldwide true And you are probably known as the greatest wrestler to ever set foot in a ring in Texas. I'll give you that. And Texas is a mighty big place, is that right? But the only thing I want to tell you is Texas ain't the whole world and I am the world heavyweight champion. There's one way to solve this. There's one way to solve this. And that is, put my belt against your belt. All right, I'm the matchmaker in world class. You want to put your title, the world heavyweight title, on the line against any challenger? Will you put your world heavyweight title on the line against any challenger? Let me just say this, I will put the one and only 
true world heavyweight championship up against anybody. Now I'm going to say it once, and I'm going to say it once and for all. Kerry, you're a gentleman. You're a gentleman and a scholar, and I got a ton of respect for you. And I'm not trying to make you angry. I'm not trying to make anybody out here angry. But there are a lot of men. I'm talking, to, I'm talking about your Ric Flairs and your Randy Savages who claim to be world champions. But I'm here to tell you that I am the one and only true world heavyweight champion, and I'll put this belt up against them or you or anybody. That's all I got to say. When this match is over, you two gentlemen come to my office, and I'll see that we find out who is the world heavyweight champion. Have it. There's the intro. There's the first interaction between Kerry and Lawler uh, in that Terry Taylor match pre-match. So, uh, yeah, so that's how it all began, and that's how we start with where the journey we're going on tonight. As far as the match with Taylor, there wasn't really too much uh, to it because this is really about setting up, you know, the match itself and where they were going to go with it. And uh, long-term, set up Dusik as kind of the authority figure, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but as far as the match, uh, it's mostly Taylor stalling and getting punched. Um, he's Again, like I said earlier, he's in the middle of a blood feud with Chris Adams, and the match goes off air with no finish, which traditionally back in the territory days, a lot of, uh, a lot of TV shows did that to keep you kind of synced into coming back next week. Uh, but in researching the match, Lawler did end up winning. Um, I'm not going to rate this one, but I thought it was a nice setup for Kerry and Lawler. So what happens is, Two months go by. So this remember, this is on 625.88. The next journey we go to is 917.88 because this is the next time that we see Jerry Lawler show up on WCCW. And we'll cover, you know, some of the other matches and title defenses that Lawler did during the scope of this as we lead up to Super Clash. But the second interaction between these two, uh, September 17th, 1988, at least second interaction on TV, almost two months later, and um, it was pretty quiet TV-wise between these two. Um, they did wrestle a handful of times at this point with various outcomes. So this is a match um, about to happen for both titles. So here we are, like two months later, title for title, world-class television. This is this is it. This is a big deal on like syndicated TV, which is really, really bizarre back at the time. Like I was shocked watching this. Uh, so Kerry once again comes out, says, welcome to Dallas. He extends his hand. But Lawler sucker punches him and immediately turns Lawler heel. heel. Uh, Lawler's really dressed in all black with black gloves on. And I believe that the glove is loaded. So he looks kind of like a badass to kind of... Back then, you had a certain look. And black was certainly the look to tell you, hey, I'm going to be the heel. So anyway, Lawler sucker, sucker punches him. Carrie is bleeding as Mark Laurent speculates there's more to the glove on the punch. Uh, Dusik is livid and out of his mind and in Lawler's face. Uh, Jerry goes to yank the WCC title off of Carrie. Dusik pushes him off and they tug a war with it. Dusik grabs it, and then Lawler on the mic says, if you call that a world champion, you are sadly mistaken. Says when everyone in the sport says that when everyone in the sportatorium, when you go home, uh, you'll know uh, how to write. If you all know how to write, and he doubts that any of you do, please jot down that you saw the true world champion Jerry Lawler tonight. Really, really hot angle here. Crowd was lit, and Lawler turns heel. Also love the belts as a centerpiece and the stakes. And again, uh, one thing I will say about the title designs, WCCW, one of the best world title, if you look design-wise, which is really good. AWA has its traditional look, but that WCCW title really, truly looks like a uh, like world championship, and it's always been one of my favorite-looking titles. So this is 1788. Match never starts. Lawler turns heel, busts open carry with a load of gloves. So then we go two weeks later, October 1st, 1988, and this is uh, also world championship wrestling. Uh, and it is Lawler versus Carey, and it's two weeks, and we finally get a match that we've been looking for. Now it's been built up a little bit, 
Now there's a little bit more stakes. It's just not about the title. Now it's really kind of a grudge match because of what Lawler did to Carrie. So you would think that they would close this show with this match, but no, the main event of this uh, show this evening is Eric Embry versus Kendall Wyndham for the light heavyweight title. Uh, but what you find out later on is Lorenz says, hey, you know, we thought this match was too big to make it last and we want to make sure that we get a finish. So we're going to start this right from the start. So immediately as a viewer at the time, you're watching this and you're thinking, I'm really going to see a title for title match. I'm going to see an outcome. Um, you know, yeah, we had dusty finishes back there, but you know, I didn't think anything of it at the time. I was just excited that I was going to see the number three and number four territories go at it and actually have a title match. This was so good. Uh, both wrestlers made a really good show of folding their titles and handing it to the ref as the ref holds it up. Really good showcasing the titles. Um, again, at the time, this was unheard of as someone who watched both AWA, WCCW syndicated. Literally, I could not believe what I was watching. Uh, Lawler starts early with clotheslines. Lawrence did added a nice touch saying this match first to ensure... Uh, we get to see in its entirety, like I said. That's why it's on first. Lawler hits a, a bunch of clothesline, um, and then hits a third one after ducking a carry clothesline, and he's really dominating this match. Carry hits uh, uh, the floor hard on a throw outside. Uh, Lorenz sells this like uh, it's as big a deal as Flair and Carry at 84, and you know at the time I didn't think any differently. Uh, Lawler just continues to dominate with hip toss and drop kick. Carry finally fires back with punches and clotheslines. There's a loud carry chant. Jerry hits a pile driver, but Carry gets right back up um, and just no sells it um, whatsoever and uh, just st- starts firing back with punches and clotheslines of his own. Uh, Lawler dares, uh, so then Lawler dares him to punch him in the face. Then these two just start slugging the hell out of each other, and that's going to take you to uh, this next soundbite you're going to hear. It is really getting rough. Harvey, 10 minutes ago, was very cautious. Now it's Katie bar the door. I mean, these guys are going after each other. They are going, hey, I'm better than you. Uh-oh. 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 Stand by here. Frank Vistacelli's feet heading around. Oh, here we go now. And Frank signals for the ball to sound what's going to happen. The bell is sounded. This match is over. Oh, that's, oh, no. These guys are not going to quit. They're still going at it in the ring. Wait a minute. Here come wrestlers now. I guess just to break it up, I hope. Yes. Oh. And wrestlers and their own friends. And Lawler wants carry. Oh, I'll tell you what. The frog man got kicked in the wrong place. He did. Oh, he's hurting. And it's going to take more than these three to get these two apart. Here come more body. Here's Steve Cox now. Kendall Wyndham. Well, I tell you, I've never seen these many wrestlers have to take two guys apart here. When are you going down, Harley? Oh. I'll be right behind you when you go in. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll wait till this is over with, buddy. And these guys definitely don't want to see anybody but their themselves period now here they go again well i'm still disappointed that we didn't get all this settled both of you are disqualified under world-class rules both of you have lost your titles if you want to wrestle again anywhere in the united states you better leave the ring now well, nobody has a belt. Oh, How do you like oh, this? No. Frank is taking the belt. Nobody. The belt. Nobody has the belt. Oh, no. You better get your butt down here with me. 
seconds, but Harvey, none of us expected this. We'll be back in just a minute. Really good stuff here, and as you can see, there was real no clear-cut winner and a lot of confusion and a lot of just really crazy things going on there at the end of that match. So a little bit of a taste of what's to come. I thought it was a really great brawl um, and really great heat, and it left you wanting more. So I went three stars on this match. Um, this is like their first real match together. Um, and again, this is on October 1st, 1988, which translates to our next audio clip we're going to hear. So same weekend on the AWA show, they announced the Super Clash uh, show. Um, and they have a press conference. What's interesting about this is they don't, during this whole interaction, uh, Carrie and Jerry don't really look at each other or hint at any friction of them, but uh, even wrestling each other at the event. Uh, but it's really a potpourri of people that are at this press conference. Uh, David McLean's in this, uh, Jerry Jarrett, Bergagna, uh, Frank Dusick's here. Uh, the attorney, Bob Ryan, who you're going to hear at the end of this clip, uh, really looks like Clark Kent and is your typical lawyer guy. And uh, David McLean, uh, really, really cringe uh, when you hear him talk. He was always kind of a carny. But yeah, really interesting character, this David McLean. So with that, we're going to play the clip. Uh, this is the AWA Superclass press conference from the weekend of 10-1-88, same weekend as the match we just talked about. Some of the greatest names in the sport of professional wrestling gathered right here at the historic Hermitage Hotel in Nashville, Tennessee. Allow me to introduce them, if I may. Vern Gagne, the promoter of the Chicago show, Super Clash 3 is with us. To Mr. Gagne's left, Jerry Jarrett, the promoter of CWA. Next to Jerry is the AWA heavyweight champion of the world, Jerry the King Lawler. Right in front of me, from powerful women of wrestling, Mr. David McLean. Right across from David McLean, Frank Dusick, the matchmaker of world-class championship wrestling. Next to Frank is the champion of world-class championship wrestling, Kerry Von Erich. Next to Kerry, we have John Corcoran, the promoter of the Northeast United States. Next to Mr. Corcoran, the president of the AWA, Stanley Blackburn. And next to Mr. Blackburn from the firm of Ryan and Ryan, Bob Ryan, he is the legal counsel of Super Clash 3. Let me move down to the end of the table now. And Vern, if we can get a little information from you as the promoter of this spectacular event. Well, I am proud and happy to announce the event will be December 13th uh, in the Windy City of Chicago. And I think it'll be one of the great historic events for professional wrestling uh, that's ever been held. I've been in wrestling a long, long time, but this, was, this event uh, was harder to put together than anything I've ever had to do or tried to do in my life, and Stanley Blackburn will attest to that. But again, quickly, I'm just delighted that it's happened. It's all together, and we're ready to go, and it's going to be a big one. Well, judging from the representation of the organizations here, it is already setting up to be indeed a super clash. And to that point, let me move to Jerry Jarrett. Jerry, I know you got a phone call and a wire already this morning. That's right. On behalf of CWA, we're looking forward to being a part of the biggest event ever in professional wrestling. We have confirmation from David Woods with Continental that they'll be on board, be a part of this big event. And then we got a wire from the Japan Wrestling Group that they also will be a part, which truly makes it a worldwide event. Thank you very much, Jerry. Let me move down to the heavyweight champion of the world, the man who holds the AWA belt, Jerry the King Lawler. Pretty exciting, champ. Well, it's very exciting. You know, in the past, uh, promotions of these types have only been a one-company promotion. This is the first time that it's truly a worldwide, uh, several, uh, well, just about all the major organizations are included. And the name of the AWA world heavyweight champion is already on the dotted line, open to any and all comers from any and all organizations. All right, champ. Thank you very much. Let me move down to David McLean, the man 
behind powerful women of wrestling, and your involvement in this, David. Lee, we're just so tickled to death to be involved and have the number one ladies wrestling organization involved in this super extravaganza. David, thank you very much. Let me sneak out here behind our sign and catch up with Frank Dusick from World Class Championship Wrestling. And I know, Frank, you've worked real hard to get this put together. We sure have. World Class Championship Wrestling has always prided itself in what we call our open-door policy. Anyone was always welcome. You don't know how good it makes us feel to see all the major promotions in the United States and around the world taking up the challenge. We're here to be a part. Well, I know the demand that's come here to be a part of it. The heavyweight champion of the world for world-class championship wrestling, Kerry Von Erich, and I know you're excited, Kerry. That's right, but you know when they say clash, that's exactly what they mean, because this is a clash of all organizations, but this is the biggest, and in my opinion, the best, that's ever been put together. And I would also like to state that my name is on the dotted line for anybody who wants to sign for this belt. John Cochran, I know you've come all the way here from New England, representing the Northeast United States, and your involvement in this has been absolutely amazing. That's right, Lee. We're looking forward in the Northeast to promoting this event, to being a part of it. It's going to be happening in Chicago, and we'll be there. Great. A man that you've been hearing a lot about, the man who is the president of the AWA, Stanley Blackburn. Stanley, congratulations on getting this all put together. Thank you very much, Lee. I've just uh, have written confirmation from Don Owens in the great Pacific Northwest, also from former NWA president uh, Bob Geigel. They've signed up. We're all ready to go. Spectacular, and I know one of the men that has actually had to put this all together, the attorney from uh, Ryan and Ryan, Bob Ryan, I know you've had your work cut out for you just getting all these gentlemen together to agree on the paperwork. Well, it certainly has been an exhausting experience, but one that's been well worth it. I can announce now, having reviewed all of the contracts, that all of the T's have been crossed, all of the I's dotted, and all of the promotions are under contract to stage the event. I want to congratulate Stanley Blackburn and all of the other promoters for putting this fantastic card together. Fantastic indeed. December 13th from Chicago, Super Clash 3. Gentlemen, thank you very much. So coming out of the press conference, the interesting thing was, like I said, is Jerry and Carrie never really interacted with each other to let on to any of the real you know, heat between them coming out of that match we talked about. And I think initially they wanted us to perceive that this would be this big event and these two world champions would be there and necessarily wouldn't be facing off with each other. Well, the week after the press conference, which, so if we go to October 8th of 1988 on the AWA show, uh, we have another Jerry Lawler versus Kerry Von Erich match. And this one was actually taped in Nashville, which I'll talk about this taping uh, a little bit uh, later in this episode. So anyway, this is another uh, unification match, title for title. So again, in this is again in um, Nashville on October 8th, uh, 1988, AWA programming a week after they did the press conference. So literally the first nine minutes of this match is these two just stiffing the shit out of each other with punches and clotheslines and they're just trying to get the advantage on each other, which is really, really good. Kerry gets the iron claw on Lawler while he's on the top rope. Lawler escapes with an elbow to the gut, the stiff punch to Kerry's face, and then there's another punch off. And then we get pretty much the same finish as the first match we talked about tonight, um, where they both take out the ref and go at it, and we end up with a double DQ. But I am going to play this next clip from this match so you can hear how this one all plays out as well. The strap, whenever you see Jerry the big Lawler, drop that strap. He's saying, all right, I'm going to 
Lord, brother, let's go downtown. Right hand by Lawler. Right hand by Von Erich. Right hand by Lawler. Right hand by Von Erich. Right hand by Lawler. Discus punch coming up. Oh, jeez. These guys are just chucking right hands at each other now, Ray. The referee wouldn't stay out of the way or he's going to get his head thrown out. He's trying to break him up. He's got him broken up. Oh, no! Lawler and Von Erich both decking the referee, saying, all right, let's just get it on. You and me, we signed the contract. There's the bell. Another referee jumped in and said, all right, all right, all right. It's enough, it's enough, it's enough. That's got to be a double disqualification. Both Lawler and Von Erich with the referee, not only knocking him down, but knocking him clean out of the ring with I don't believe they hit him in pitching. Oh, gotta be a double disqualification. Got to be. I'd like to see this thing continue. I didn't come all the way here from Texas for disqualification. Terry wants to go on. I am not leaving this ring until there is a winner. All right, you heard it. Terry Von Erich says, come on, let's get it on. There's got to be a winner in this day. Your belt against my belt. Let's go. Lawler thinking about it. He said, yeah, yeah, you want it? You want it? Lawler wants it, Ray. Lawler wants it. He's not backing up from him. I guarantee you that. I like this. I like this. Two guys that won't take any baloney. Two guys who signed a contract to meet each other. Two guys, two champions. And they're going to resolve this thing right here in Nashville, Tennessee. Left hand by Lawler. Another left by Lawler. Right hand by Lawler. Another right hand. Von Erich turns him around. Oh, what a right. Oh, another right hand by Terry Von Erich. A third right hand by Von Erich. Into the ropes. No, what? Reversal. Yes! the ropes we're gonna lose another referee here Ray we're losing referees they're falling like fruit off of a tree Ooh. look out Miles coming. oh he nailed him with it he's got it covered where's the referee two three that's it there's the winner Terry Von Erich oh he locked that pile driver into Jerry Lawler and here come the yellow roses Lawler's shaking his head. I think he's just trying to clear the cobwebs out. They're giving the belts now. Wait a minute. They're giving the NWA and the WCCW belt. Hold on a second here. One of the referees. They're talking about the pile driver. And they're giving the NWA title championship belt back to Jerry Lawler. I'm very surprised that he got that pile driver on Jerry Lawler. Normally, I've never seen anybody uh, grab anything that devastating. Here's Jerry. Say this. You've disqualified him, right? He's disqualified? Well, in world class, you lose your belt on a disqualification, so he loses. All right. Now, Lawler claiming that under world class rules, Terry Von Erich must relinquish his world championship belt. And the referees aren't going to get it away from Von Erich without a fight. Von Erich wants the microphone. I don't understand. In world class, 
We don't have no sissy rules like no power driver. So as far as I'm concerned, I am the world champion. All right, we just got clarification. What happened was Terry Von Eric was disqualified for using a pile driver. And we just te a check with Stanley Blackburn, the pile driver perfectly legal within the AWA Ray. It is, however, banned by the Tennessee State Athletic Commission. That's Something right. apparently happened, maybe in the pre-fight instructions, the referee neglected to mention to these gentlemen that the pile driver is illegal in Tennessee. But, you know, these guys travel all over the world. It's difficult to keep things straight sometimes. Uh, that's very true, and I'm sure it was just that he wasn't aware of it, and that's, uh, I thought that he got that pile driver awful easy on yep. Jerry Lawler. That, that explains the point that you brought up. Jerry Lawler's never going to get suckered into a pile driver that easily. I'm sure Lawler realized that the pile driver is an illegal move, as uh, deemed so by the Tennessee State Athletic Commission. But Von Erich, he either knew and forgot, or perhaps wasn't informed in the first place. So what you've got is Terry Von Erich disqualified for using a maneuver that has been outlawed by the Tennessee State Athletic Commission. Now, what Lawler is saying is that under WCCW rules, if you are disqualified, you lose your belt. So Lawler says, not only am I the AWA heavyweight champion of the world, but I am the WCCW championship based on your disqualification. I don't know. This is going to take a while to sort out, Ray. Well, normally you can't lose a championship on disqualification now, unless there's some traction in the world here that I don't understand. I'm sure that Lawler was very aware of this uh, disqualification with a power driver in Tennessee. Yep. Tennessee being his home, you know he had to be very much aware of it. Along with Ray Stevens, I'm Lee Marshall. We'll be right back. So as you heard, real convoluted ending there um, with the different rules of, you know, what happens in Tennessee, uh, I guess in Tennessee or what happens in world class. This uh, promotion has this rule. This promotion has that rule. In the end, both of them keep their belts. Um, but it was just weird at the end, uh, the, all the different rules. And I, the way they booked it, I think I know what they were going for. Um, but it was very confusing, especially to a 15-year-old kid who's watching this on TV. Didn't really understand the territories or how this rule didn't count or this pile driver didn't count. It was just really, really confusing. But again, similar ending to the first match we talked about tonight. But this one, I think, is where it sets up. This is going to be your main event at Super Clash. Um, and this was still a nice Chris three-star stiff match. I really did enjoy it. And it still makes you want to see these two settle it. So now we're going to move on to October 15th, 1988. And there's another match uh, in World Class between uh, Kerry and Jerry at World Class's annual Cotton Bowl uh, show. Um, and they two faced off in another extravaganza where they go head-to-head -head for a title for unification. So we don't have the whole match. There's like five minutes of it online. But this one's interesting because it kind of sets up guardrails of Texas versus Tennessee. So we go to the match. Match is in progress. Frank Dusick and Eddie Marlin are both there. And Eddie Marlin, obviously a promoter out of, um, is, a, is a character in the Memphis TV. And Frank Dusick obviously has been a face this whole time of world class. So the ref goes down and Kerry covers Lawler. Frank dives in and counts to three. This being a Texas death match, so what it does is Dusick obviously being an official in world class, he's going to count this as a pin. So he start, so they start doing the 15-second clock where you count the 15 because it's a Texas death match. Just because Kerry got the pin, that doesn't mean he wins the match. So Marlin is going crazy on Dusick outside. Dusick comes in and counts very fast on the 15 seconds, and he actually declares Kerry the winner. Marlin and this Dusick get into it. 
Um, and then uh, Jeff Jarrett and Kevin come out and they push each other. Then Jimmy Valiant, of all people, comes out and sides with the Memphis contingent. Then Eric Embry, who at this point is a heel, comes out and then he sides with Texas and all hell breaks loose. And Mark Lawrence on commentary and recaps let us know that the AWA refused to acknowledge this win. So we're still at square one. So Texas sends Tennessee out of the ring to cheer the crowd. Again, only five, five minutes of this match, but another great tease to get us to want in the match to solve once and for all uh, the unification match that we all want to see. Uh, again, they've done a really good job booking it. It's been a lot of schmaz endings, but again, I like how they're teasing it, how they're booking us, and how they're trying to get us to this big, huge main event. Um, and it doesn't really bug me that much, and it doesn't bother me, and it, it doesn't really bother the watch either. I think it's really interesting stuff to watch. So same weekend, October 15th, and this will be... Uh, this is also an interesting one. We finally get to the contract signing. So coming out of the carry match we just talked about with Lawler in Tennessee, following this Cotton Bowl match, we get to TV, and on October 15th, the same weekend we just talked about the Cotton Bowl, we have the contract signing that's official for Lawler versus Kerry Von Erich at Super Clash, and I'm going to play you that clip right now of the contract signing. Ladies and gentlemen, what you're about to see could well be the most historic moment in the entire history of the great sport of professional wrestling. Allow me to introduce the gentlemen who have gathered here today. To my left, the great matchmaker from world-class championship wrestling, Mr. Frank Dusick. To my right, from the CWA, the fine promoter, Mr. Jerry Jarrett. Right in front of me, Stanley Blackburn, the president of the AWA. And wrestling fans, I know these two men need no introduction, but if you would kindly allow me that formality. The heavyweight champion of the world, representing world-class championship wrestling, the modern-day warrior, Kerry Von Erich. And to my right, the AWA heavyweight champion of the world, Jerry the King Lawler. Now, what I'm talking about is something that fans have been clamoring for for years. The unification of the heavyweight championship of the world. A situation where two champions walk into the ring. Only one man is going to leave that ring as the one and only unified heavyweight champion of the world. These men have had a chance to review the contracts. They have done so. They've had a chance to approve the contracts, and they have done that. The only thing left now is to sign the contracts. Stanley, if you would present the contracts to both Mr. Von Erich and Mr. Lawler, we can get this matter taken care of quickly. Von Erich, if you'll sign on this line, I'll appreciate it. Here. Mr. Lawler, if you'll sign, please, sir. Thank you, gentlemen. The fans, what you've seen truly was historic, an agreement between these two great athletes to unify the heavyweight championship of the world. It wouldn't be inappropriate now to get a comment or two from these athletes. First, to the modern-day warrior, Kerry Von Erich. I'd just like to say this. We've been through a lot. But Lala, going on national television, wants you to save yourself the embarrassment. Let's get on right now. All right, let me move over to get a comment from Jerry the King Lawler. Yeah, you know, it's we're way past these games of trying to psych each other out. You know, that was a nice move there, Kerry, but it didn't work. All I want to say is that you're right. This is something that's long overdue. There's only one world. There should only be one world champion, as he said. And after December the 13th, that's what it's going to be. I've heard you say that you had an accident and you laid in bed for a year and a half and you had a dream about being the only world champion. Well, that's going to turn into a nightmare because, brother, you just signed your title away. And there you have it, the agreement made, 
an agreement between two of the greatest athletes ever to participate in this sport, the modern-day warrior, Kerry Von Erich, the heavyweight champion of the world from world-class championship wrestling, the heavyweight champion of the world, Jerry the King Lawler, holding the AWA heavyweight championship of the world. It's all going to be settled. Super Clash, December 13th. Don't miss it. Very good, yeah, I'm going to tell you right now, I aged 10 years just hearing about the rumors that were coming out of the difficulty of signing that match. Well, if possible, I'm baller than I was a week ago, trying to put this thing back together. As you know, we had both Lawler and Von Erich signed for Super Clash 3, but not against each other. Now they're signed against each other. And brother, after that last match they had, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Well, it's a dream match. Two world champions head-to-head -head as the main event in Super Clash 3. Well, it's the one that the whole world wanted, and it's the whole, it's a match that the world will see on Super Clash 3. And when that finish, when that night is over, remember this, there'll only be one man walking out of there, and he will be the sole owner of the AWA title and the, the world-class title. Ladies and gentlemen. So the interesting thing about the press conference is, you know, they formally announced that they're going to be doing this. And it's, if you get the visual on it, if you have a chance to watch it, I would go back and watch this just because the way that Lawler came across versus the way that Kerry came across, Kerry kind of looked disheveled, um, didn't come off so great. I thought Larry or Jerry did a really good job of um, really cutting into him a little bit. And at the end, Kerry stands up um, and looks like he's ready to fight, but he really looks... I, I'm not going to say high, but he looks very, very disheveled in this whole thing with this contract signing. Um, and actually came across a little bit heelish, if you ask me. But Lawler definitely came off better here at the press conference. So um, I talked about earlier the Nashville taping. So for some context here, there were three tapings in September, October, and November of 88. Uh, they were in Nashville, Louisville, and Memphis, and where all the matches and participants of Super Clash 3 appeared on AWA TV that carried the TV until Super Clash. During this time, if they weren't facing each other on random shows, just to give you some perspective on who they were defending their belts against, Kerry was on WCCW-TV. Um, he was feuding with the likes of Kamala, Jimmy Jack Funk, Iceman Keem Parsons, and then he was in random tags with Kendall Wyndham, his brother. Um, he teamed up with Steve Cox against the Samoan SWAT team. So Kerry was really, really busy. Um, or teaming with Eric Embry or even Michael P.S. Hayes, and they were facing Akbar's army, you know. So Lawler, on the other hand, as I was going in deep and trying to look at stuff he was doing, um, he was facing the likes of Dutch Mantel, Kurt Hennig rematches until Hennig left for the WWF, uh, Bill Dundee, Soldat Usinoff. Um, he was in tag team matches with Ganya, uh, facing off um, against the likes of Mr. Saido and uh, facing off against Tijo Khan. Um, so it seemed like Kerry was a lot more active in terms of the actual TV stuff he was doing because he was a face of world class all throughout this feud. Even if Jared Lawler wasn't there, Lawler with AWA TV um, didn't really have as much exposure. See, WCCW had more exposure because they were taping at the Sportatorium every week. Um, Lawler didn't have that luxury at AWA. And even if you go back and look at the uh, CWA shows, he wasn't on them a whole lot either. Um, so anyway, the, um, the October match from Nashville was a part of these tapings that I just talked about. And the next match um, that, that took place at this taping um, that we'll talk about um, here in a minute also took place at the uh, this next match coming up um, that we're going to talk about also took place at these tapings and actually aired the weekend of Super Clash. Um, one more note before we talk about the next match. Uh, the world-class title actually changed hands on October 23rd, 1988 with Lawler 
And then on November 4th, 1988, it went back to Kerry. Um, Lawler won it in Memphis, and Kerry won it back in Dallas. And then, again, Kerry would lose uh, his world-class title, the Tatsumi Fujinami, on December 9th. And then he had the belt returned to him on 12-10 due to some random reason. So literally three days prior to Superclass. So the world-class title definitely got uh, traded back and forth uh, quite a few times, leading up to a Superclash. So this next match plays off of the Cotton Bowl match where you saw the Tennessee contingent and the Dallas contingent uh, confront each other at the end of the match. But this is a transition. This, this actually airs on AWA TV, this next match, uh, the weekend of Super Brawl. In fact, it might even, or not Super Brawl, Super Clash, but might even be the same day. But it's a tag team match and it is Jerry the King Lawler and Jimmy Valiant and they're taking on Kerry and Michael P.S. Hayes. Now, Michael P.S. Hayes is, all four of these are actually at Super Clash. Hayes is actually going to team with Steve Cox against the Samoan SWAT team, which was a really other cool tag team feud going on in World Class. Um, Buddy Buddy, um, Roberts actually managed the SST against Hayes and Cox, but they were a team. And then Lawler and Valiant would later on down the road have a feud, and they've feuded before in the past, but uh, they are the uh, tag team contingent. And then Kerry uh, was supposed to... uh, be tagging here with his brother Kevin, which would have been a really cool thing. But um, anyway, here's what happens. So Kevin Von Erich was supposed to be here, but he suffered a concussion, according to Carrie. Uh, Lawler starts with um, Carrie and gets overpowered, while Lee Marshall claims to have seen Lawler beat Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, and Randy Savage. Carrie tries to discus punch, and Lawler slugs him down the counter and chases Carrie into the corner. They knock each other down, and Lawler gets a standing drop kick. They both try drop kicks, and they miss. Vine and Hayes come in. Not a whole lot goes on. Uh, Jimmy goes low, and uh, Team Memphis starts working over Hayes in the corner. But Michael tosses Valiant, and Kerry uh, gets a cheap shot from the apron, and then everyone gets into this big uh, brouhaha, and everyone is counted out at nine minutes, and then everyone brawls. Uh, both teams cut promos after the match to kind of sell Super Clash and the title unification match. It was a solid go home, which Lawler, uh, I wish actually they could have had someone other than Valiant, maybe Jeff Jarrett or. Um, someone else versus a Valiant and probably would have been great to see the Von Neris go toe-to-toe with this team as well but at any rate solid two and a half you're not going to get much out of Valiant um, it's another Schmaz finish and I guess that's the one bad thing about all these matches that lead up to this is that you don't have a clear-cut winner and it's all Schmaz um, but back in those days not everybody watched all the TV not everybody realized how much Schmaz was going on or how much uh, non-finishes you were having but this is what they led to and again does help Super Clash Clash a little bit because um, you have the unification match. uh, Jimmy Valiant actually takes on Wayne Bloom at the pay-per-view who would go on to be um, part of the AW Tag Team Champions, one of the last in the Destruction Crew. And like I said, Hayes would team up with uh, Steve Cox against the SST. So all four at Super Clash. Not a bad last sell. And um, we are here. So we are going to December 13th. This is finally the big match, and this is kind of the payoff of everything we've talked about tonight. Um, it is Kerry Von Erich versus Jerry the King Lawler, and it's literally, literally we started this journey back in June, so in theory, six months in the making. Um, no matter how you would look at this at the time, this was your top three and four promotion world champions facing off against each other. And it's a bit in the other wrestling corridors of life with the WWF and NWA. Um, in December of 88, you had Hogan and Savage teasing their breakup. Teasing their breakup. They had just come out of Survivor Series uh, 88, and they're on their journey to breaking up about a month later. And then you had Ric Flair taking on um, 
Lex Luger uh, in Starcade 88, and he's getting ready to start his 89 with the whole uh, Ricky Steamboat thing going on. So definitely different journeys, different paths going on here. So the fact that you get a unification match with your top three or your top three and four promotion uh, is really, really cool here. And it was a big deal at the time. Um, not going to lie, the card itself didn't look fantastic. Um, it was a real potpourri. And unless you were watching all these different uh, wrestling territories, you really had no context around a lot of them. You had some, you know, you had Wahoo versus Bull. So if you were a Crockett fan, you would get down. The Rock and Roll Express were taken on the stud stable. Um, you had, uh, like I said, we talked about the other some of the other matches around there. You had Je uh, Jeff Jarrett taken on Eric Embry uh, for the world-class light heavyweight title. Wendy Richter in a six-man tag team match with that company. So you had some elements of people that people would historically know. But if you weren't watching TV in the now, you'd probably be lost. So the real bread and butter of this show is definitely uh, Carrie and Jerry here. Um, you know, we've all heard the stories about the match told, um, you know, about the day of they couldn't agree on a winner. Uh, Carrie being high on drugs and scratching his arm with a bladed finger and gushing blood everywhere. But we're going to focus on the match and then the aftermath. Um, and we're going to start uh, right away. They got the uh, great intro from Gary Michael Capetta to announce, uh, who turned it over to some local radio guy to announce the participants. That's what you heard at the beginning of this show um, with our opener. Um, and then we have both of them uh, cut promos on each other, which you also heard at the start as well. Um, and then Kerry, you know, this whole thing, he said this multiple times. You're going to hear it again. Um Carrie Von Eric saying there's only one Mona Lisa, one Lean Tower of Pisa, and only one world champion. Carrie messing with his arm under the robe. And you can clearly see Jerry, um, as Carrie takes his robe off, that he realizes his opponent is already bleeding. Um, Lawler grabs Carrie's arm and snaps it over the exposed metal attaching the turnbuckle to the post. And they use this moment that Carrie started bleeding. Uh, really, really smart by Lawler, actually, to kind of do something with the arm so you don't have to justify it. Carey gives him a right hand, and Lawler retreats to the floor and then back in. Von Erich clotheslines Lawler down and tries to finish Surly. Lawler bites the injured arm and throws Von Erich over the top rope. Once they're back in, Lawler punches and kicks Von Erich and goes for a pile driver, but Von Erich no sells it and hits the discus punch for two. Von Erich goes for the iron claw, and Lawler blocks it. Referee gets bumped, and Von Erich hits his own pile driver, getting the visual three count on Lawler and freaking out the crowd. But by the time the referee made it over there, Lawler's recovered and he's kicks out at two. They go to the floor, and Lawler goes for a discus punch. Um, but his arm hits the post. Lawler digs into his tights and connects with the, uh, I'm sorry, not Lawler, but Carrie goes for a discus punch and his arm hits the post. Lawler digs into his tights and connects with the fa a phantom for an object. Von Erich is lacerated and he's bleeding really, really bad. And Larry targets it with a fist drop from the second rope. Von Erich fights back with a stomach claw. Uh, and there's little drops of like Carrie's blood dripping on Lawler, which is a really cool visual. Uh, Von Erich switches to the claw on Lawler's head and the referee looks concerned about the amount of blood Von Erich is spilling out. Um, as uh, Frank Dusick bakes him now um, to brings him not to stop the match. Lawler makes the ropes and Carrie tries a corner charge, but Lawler gets out of the way and Carrie has blood literally just shooting from every like direction. Like he is just a bloody mess. And Lawler digs into his tights and connects with the foreign object again. Dusick is freaking out about the foreign object, but the referee can't find it when he searches Lawler because Lawler still has it in his hands and he lights in the carry with like rapid punches. Uh, Lawler uh, continues to uh, tee off on him in showboats with left jabs and Ali shuffle kind of to rub it in. Von Erich makes a comeback with a huge carry chant going on in the arena. Carry applies the iron claw and Lawler nearly passes out with the hold. 
uh, with Kerry getting a two count at one point um, when Lawler starts responding. But uh, what you're going to hear next is the audio of what actually happens at that moment, which will take us to the end of the match and the after promos, uh, which we will talk about after you listen to this. Jerry Lawler, whoa! Oh, never coming out. And there's the Iron Claw again applied by Kerry Von Erich. Frank Dusick pounding on the side of the ring, exhorting Von Erich on. gets the shoulder up. And there's Marty Miller still checking the eye of Terry Von Erich. Marty Miller calls for the bell. Well, who's that? Has Von Erich still got the iron claw on him? You can see blood coming out of the mouth of Terry the King Lawler. Out of the eye of Terry Von Erich. These guys are a mess. Trying to There must be a winner. The referee for Kerry Von Erich's own safety stopped the match. The winner, still AWA heavyweight champion of the world, WCCW heavyweight champion of the world, Jerry the King Lawler. Let me say something. You know, I stood right here and I told you I have all the respect in the world for Kerry Von Erich. He is truly a great wrestler. And what a what a terrible shit. 
Ladies and gentlemen, the heavyweight champion of the world, Jerry the King Lawler. Larry Nelson, you got it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you heard Stanley Blackburn turking earlier about how we had to get control, but that's not making it any easier for Kerry Von Erich. What happened tonight was completely unfair. Let me tell you this. I don't know if it was the referees or what, but I've never heard of a match in the state of Texas or anywhere else in the whole world where they stopped the match because somebody's cut up too bad or whatever. The main point I'm trying to make is, Jerry Lawler, you were down with the iron claw. You were down for at least... You're probably still down right Gary, now. Let's take a look at the replay. You'll be able to see it on the monitor over here. Now, I think we're gonna, you're going to be able to talk over this, Kerry, and hopefully we'll be able to see it. And we will see exactly what happened. All right, Kerry, describe what's going on. Well, right now I'm counting him down. I just piled-drived him. I'm going for the one, two, three. The referee's still on a can over there. I'm going for it. Look how long he's down. Probably 15 seconds. So that's the first time. Now the second time will come with the iron claw. Now the referee finally comes. It's obvious, Kerry, it was about two and three quarters of a second. Stanley Blackburn, I understand your point, but this is ridiculous. After the Wahoo McDaniel match and so much blood, it's ridiculous to let them go on that much. Well, and I'd right. instructed the referee, I said, anytime there's too much blood, stop the matches. Well, look, Stanley, I had I him down. I had him in the claw. He wasn't even about to move. Show it on the replay if you don't believe what happened. I, I, the whole world saw it. I had already instructed the referee, I said, any first future matches if there's too much blood I stop it. Stanley Blackburn will there be a rematch I'm sure that's what Kerry Von Erich yes there will be a rematch you know Stanley there's one world champion there's one leaning tower appears there's one Eiffel Tower and there's one world champion and you're looking at him right here ladies and gentlemen Kerry Von Erich we're gonna let him get out of here he's a mess he needs to get back to the area for what it's worth Kerry Von Erich a very valiant effort a very valiant effort Stanley Blackburn, we've got one more to go, but there's no way in the world it's going to top that one. I'm sorry, I'm sorry we had to stop it, but that's the rules. Let's get to the ring. All right, thank you. So there you have it. Uh, Jerry the King Lawler is your un new unified AWA world-class heavyweight champion. Uh, the ending was definitely uh, convoluted. Uh, Carrie's argument was legit, actually. It was a bullshit ending. Um, I feel like what they were going for was executing the Flair Luger 88 bash match finish a little bit. Um, except the blood was definitely there to do that kind of finish, unlike when they did it with Luger. But I don't feel like they nailed it on the landing. It was just so random on a ref count of two with Lawler being down and then just stopped the match. Um, again, all said, dumb ending, but match was really good, even with allegedly drug carry and his arm injury. This is definitely a four star match. They beat the shit out of each other. Carry is a bloody mess. Um, you could definitely see points, especially in his interviews. Um, especially on the post-match where he probably wasn't of sound mind and body, uh, to be perfectly honest. But uh, Jerry Lawler is pretty great in this entire run. Um, I would say, for the most part, they both did their part in-ring. But as far as promo work, um, his heel work, um, and just, just, I just think Lawler has been fantastic. And I've never been the greatest Jerry the King Lawler fan. Um, I feel like when he came to the WWF, he was well past his prime, which he was. Um, but he'd been around for a long time at this point, and he was still pretty great and did, still did a great job here. So uh, that kind of ends the journey of this feud. However, let's talk a little bit about the aftermath of what happens here. So literally uh, less than a month or about a month after this show, uh, Lawler gets stripped uh, of the, his AWA title. And I'm going to play for you uh, the legal guy who was at the end of the uh, 
press conference talking Bob Ryan um, comes on with Larry Nelson and talks about why he is actually uh, stripped of the title. However, the real reason why he is stripped of the title is because uh, Vern Gagne didn't pay anybody for Super Clash. And Lawler is one of those guys that he did not pay. And so in the end, uh, Lawler decided to walk away. So two things happen here. So we're going to play this announcement uh, for what happens about him being stripped. But then I'm immediately going to follow up with an interview uh, with Jerry the King Lawler literally a few weeks after the announcement of him being stripped, where he actually uh, crowns himself uh, the unified world champion. So listen to these back-to-back things because these literally happen a month or so after Super Clash happened. Ladies and gentlemen, when we left you last week, Bob Ryan promised that he would return this week with more on the stripping of Jerry Lawler as the heavyweight champion of the world. And Bob Ryan, legal counsel for the AWA, has indeed returned. Well, Larry, as I mentioned on last week's show, as a result of Jerry Lawler's failure to make a mandatory title defense in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, on January 20th, 1989, Stanley Blackburn found it necessary to strip Jerry Lawler of the AWA heavyweight title. What I would like to do is read to you a telegram that Stanley Blackburn sent to Jerry Lawler. Please do. This is to formally advise you that as a result of your failure on two occasions within the past two weeks to appear for mandatory title defenses as the AWA World Heavyweight Champion, I have acted in my capacity as president of the AWA to vacate your title as the AWA World Heavyweight Champion. Most recently, you failed to defend the AWA title at the Mecca in Milwaukee, Wisconsin on Friday, January 20th, 1989. Your action in failing to appear for scheduled matches for which you have been booked greatly diminishes the public reputation and standing of the AWA. All right, Bob, where do we go from here? Well, Larry, let me mention this, that over the past several months, Jerry Lawler has failed to make many mandatory title defenses against such people as Greg Gagne, Manny Fernandez, Wahoo McDaniel, Larry Zabisco, Sergeant Slaughter, and really the list goes on. And we have no idea why. No, we do not know why Jerry Lawler failed to make these mandatory title defenses. How do we crown a new champion? Well, Stanley Blackburn has ordered that on February 7, 1989, a battle royal for the AWA championship will be held in St. Paul, Minnesota. Holy cow, do you know who's going to be in this battle royal? Well, I do know that several of the people that were signed for previous matches with Jerry Lawler will be in the Battle Royal. This includes people such as Sergeant Slaughter, Manny Fernandez, Greg Gagne, Wahoo McDaniel, Larry Zabisco. An absolutely incredible night. We're out of time, Bob. I'm I'm very delighted you were here with this news. Ladies and gentlemen, wrestling action right after this. Jerry the King Lawler here, the unified world heavyweight champion. Now I get asked an awful lot, What does the word unified mean? And as a matter of fact, what does the word world heavyweight champion mean? Because people come up to me and they say, you know, I see in these magazines or I see on these other TV shows a lot of different wrestlers calling themselves world champions. Well, I've tried to clarify this in the past, but I'm going to take time and do it one more time. 
Of course, I'm sure it's no secret to anybody out there that there are several wrestling organizations doing business around the country today. You got your WWF, you got your NWA, you got the remnants of the AWA still in existence. You've even got, uh, of course, the world class, former world class organization, now the USWA. You've got then, of course, the organizations in Florida, in Tennessee, and in different states throughout the country. And some of these organizations recognize different champions. Like, for instance, the WWF. Let's just take them first of all. They've got Hulk Hogan going around claiming to be the world heavyweight champion. But the truth of the matter is, and I don't really have any problem with this, unless they would, uh, if they would go ahead and tell the truth about it, the truth of the matter is Hulk Hogan is only a company champion. He is only the champion of the WWF. He's not the champion of the entire world because he can't wrestle any other wrestlers except WWF wrestlers. So why don't you go ahead and admit you got a company champion? The same thing goes for Ric Flair. He can only wrestle NWA wrestlers. If you're not in the NWA, Ric Flair can't wrestle you. That's why he can't come and challenge me for this belt because he's a company champion and nothing more. This belt right here with the word unified on it is the only world championship that is recognized by more than one wrestling organization in the entire world. I've defended this belt in Japan. I've defended this belt in virtually every state in the union in more than one organization. Can Hulk Hogan, can Ric Flair say that? No. they only company champions. I'm your true world heavyweight champion. Don't ever forget it. So after all that and everything we talked about tonight, Jerry Lawler ends up uh, stripped of the AWA title. Uh, you heard him bring up uh, that they were going to be doing something in St. Paul. Uh, Larry Zabisco actually won the AWA title in the Battle Royal, and he was also their last champ when the NWA, AWA actually folded in 1990. Um, so yeah, and then here's the other thing. Uh, he became the Unified World Champion. But what's funny is uh, Lawler, uh, he literally loses the belt a month after that to a Dutch Mantel, which is the first of many random things that happened with that belt. I mean, there's a lot of things back and forth um, and loses the belt so many times, which is crazy how long he kept the AWA title, how built they, they built this matchup to be a big deal, making him a unified world champion in the end, even when he leaves the AWA, AWA and he just goes back to the typical Memphis booking uh, where he trades off the belt with others, probably not even worth it, like a Jimmy Valiant or somebody like that in the long term. Um, it is, a, by the way, the unified title is a nice looking belt. Um, and uh, it's a really nice looking belt. So if you could go out of your way to see this interview or watch any time uh, Lawler with that belt, it is nice. Um, so anyway, uh, here's another thing that happened after Superclass. So Ken Mantell and Fritz Von Erich sold world champion, uh, world-class championship wrestling to Jerry Jarrett. Um, and Jarrett got sued by Kevin uh, Von Erich, although his brother Kerry was okay with Jarrett owning the promotion. So the combined federation long-term became known as the USWA. Um, and Jarrett would run the USWA out of Memphis and out of Dallas. He would have two offices. Um, the deal actually made Jarrett 60% owner of World Class, with Kevin and Kerry still being 40% owners of it. Um, also, in addition, the Sportatorium actually began to run free wrestling tapings for its championship sports broadcast. And for several months on its Wild West wrestling program, which in some markets accompanied its world-class championship wrestling broadcast, uh, featuring its top stars, wrestling preliminary wrestlers, and up-and-coming stars, uh, very similar to how Memphis was doing their programs. Uh, so these broadcasts lasted until about August of 1990. A few markets, including Las Vegas, had a three-hour block of wrestling from the USWA promotion, two hours from Dallas, and then one hour from uh, the Memphis CWA promotion. So it's syndicated programs, world-class championship wrestling, and Wild West were later renamed the USWA Challenge and USWA Main Event. 
the latter program became a main event of its Saturday championship sports programs with the remainder of the sports featuring past world-class cards dating as far back as late 87. These two programs aired in this format until 1991, when of course in 91 what happened is uh, we have Global uh, Wrestling Federation come up. So under Jarrett, world-class USWA Dallas was finally able to turn itself around financially and became modestly profitable during the 89-90 period. However, because of the revenue dispute with the um, with the Von Erichs, who still owned 40% of the Dallas promotion, Jarrett ultimately pulled the promotion out of Dallas in September of 1990 and shortly before Jarrett's departure, uh, the TV dropped its long-running Saturday night wrestling tele- telecast. Um, and some reports of cancellation was a result of frequent on-air profanity, which was mostly used by Eric Embry. And um, Eric Embry would be a big part of world-class ending and USWA starting, uh, which is a really cool feud in itself to go back and watch, which we might cover in the end as he feuds with Akbar. Uh, Akbar's army. But despite multiple warnings, um, despite multiple warnings from the station management, as well as a controversial, uh, controversial uh, superkick incident that happened between Tatum and Tessa, they pulled it. Uh, later, the USWA returned to the Sportatorium, but only for a limited basis as uh, promoter Max Andrews, Joe Pettisino, Greg, Greg Pearson, and Bonnie Blackstone, they got the Global Wrestling Federation uh, ready to go by the summer of 91. And throughout that time, uh, there were several rematches of uh, Kerry and Lawler, but nothing ever concrete settled. Um, <clears throat> they, so basically, the, I will say the USWA TV stuff was really good. And the story, like I said, at the end of WCCW and how it became the USWA with a very unlikely babyface Eric Embry, who really did not look like your stereotypical wrestler at all. Um, but it was a really good feud that is probably going to be worth revisiting at some point on this podcast when we get to it. Uh, but we'll, it, it was definitely a, a really interesting end. Um, Carrie, as we all know, ended up debuting at SummerSlam 90 to ironically face Kurt Hennig, who Jerry Lawler had beaten. Uh, for the AWA title to begin with. So kind of uh, karma and turnaround there. And he would win the IC title from Kurt at SummerSlam 90. And then obviously we know how the Kerry Von Erich legacy um, unfortunately uh, played out. So that's kind of how it all ended uh, with this feud um, and some of the aftermath of what occurred. The AWA went away, World Class went away, and then that whole six-month build, as great and cool as it was, really netted no gain whatsoever. Uh, And you probably put a lot of it on Vern Gagne because one... Uh, he financially didn't pay anybody. And um, the USWA TV, though, I will say that came out of that. Really some good television if you can ever go back and look at it. Um, probably one of the reasons why I turned a profit because it was really good to watch. So that brings us to the end of this feud and the, actually the end of our first episode. So at the beginning, I talked about how we would start to talk about the start, middle, and end, the best match, and recommend. So here's what I will tell you. From the start, I thought it was a good start with Lawler coming in on the open door policy. It was an easy way to get him in. Um, and then immediately they had that immediately confronta- confrontation prehand where Lawler was still a face and he was showing respect for him. Um, and in the end, the fo- and in the end, two months later, which is in the middle, um, you know, turned heel. And then the problem with the middle is there was a lot of, like I said, schmas and uh, non-endings. But I like that they would drop random moments and matches that made you want to see the best man win in the end. So yeah, was it frustrating to watch all that? And was it frustrating to see kind of those non-finishes? Yeah, but. I thought it was a really good tease to get you to that main event that they wanted to get you to. And from a long-term bookings perspective, if the end game was to get like this big giant show with these two world champions, it was really played out and booked well. Um, the end, a uh, great match, really bad finish, but it did pay off with one world champion in the feud. So you got to say it did pay it off in the end, even though it was a little wonky how they did it. 
Uh, the best match of the feud, obviously, would be Super Clash 3, but um, all their interactions were really good and intense, whether it be from the promo work to stiffness in the ring, whatever. I thought these two really, really gelled well together. Um, with Lawler, obviously, the better one at the promos um, because Kerry had some issues. Would I recommend this feud to watch? Yes, because for me, um, it's another random moment of time when you didn't see two of the big four promotions go toe-to-toe. Did it nail the execution 100%? No, but for me, it was a lot of fun to see the start, middle, and the end, um, which really does have historic value. And most people remember it, uh, Super Clash as being this big shit show of a pay-per-view um, with the main event that really did deliver. But the main event does deliver, um, and it did, did, did deliver the two main promotions in a main event for a world title unification match. The aftermath so much. Um, pretty much destroys that legacy. But for me, the historic value is worth, worth checking out um, and going back and watching if you ever find it. And a lot of the stuff that I'm talking to you about, um, you can either find it on YouTube or you can find it on the WWE Network. Um, so on Peacock. So yeah, definitely go out of your way to check this out. So with that, that ends the pod. I really hope you enjoyed the journey, the premise of um, where we're going with this. Uh, next month, we will have a different feud uh, that we will look at. Not going to uh, give a peek under the tent because I'm still deciding which one we're going to do, but Scott Shiflett will definitely join me for that episode. Um, and I do say next month because one of the things I'll say with JT is he's kind of given me the liberty, or I should say North-South in general, has given me the liberty to kind of record these and drop these um, as we can. So there's not really any set schedule for it, but um, obviously um, I will drop it on Twitter uh, under Shawnee Cuerto uh, over there is my Twitter handle. Um and I always post when we drop NWA Crock and Roll, uh, Lucha, um, Linking Up Lucha, or any of the other pods from the feeds. I always do try to do my best to make sure that those are posted uh, when they go out. And so um, as far as my other pods you can find me on, um, if you like the timeline stuff, the territory stuff, please uh, give a listen to NWA Crock and Roll over on the Place to Be Wrestling feed uh, where we are covering the Crockett era of NWA wrestling. Um I don't know when this is going to drop, but we are right now, as of this recording, hovering around that Starcade 86 um, time frame. So that's been a lot of fun. Uh, over 50 plus, ish, 50 plus episodes we've done so far. And our end game is to get to 1988 when Crockett actually uh, sold to Ted Turner, which would actually take us to Starcade 88. So 88 uh, also coming into play uh, in the NWA as I record this uh, for the end game there. Um, you can also find me on Leaking, Leaking Up Lucha on this feed with Logan uh, Crossland hosting that as he takes us through the journey of Lucha Underground, which I had never seen. Um, really good stuff. I've enjoyed it so far with a really interesting kind of um, reality movie uh, backstage. Great matches. So really, really give that a listen. I've really been enjoying that quite a bit as well. Um, so these would be the two regulars uh, you can find me on. Um, I also do a pod over on the pop feed where we do comics called Traders of the Lost Ark. That's kind of comes out here and there. I do that with Tim, Andy, and uh, Scott Shiflet as well, where we look at different arcs uh, for comics, which could be kind of considered, uh, this could be probably considered the wrestling one where we look at an arc of a wrestling match and a feud. So pretty similar there if you want to compare it there. Um, Highway to the Impact Zone I show up on from time to time. YouTube Roulette, both of those are on the Place to Be Wrestling feed as well. So with that, thank you for joining me for the journey tonight. Um, I really, truly hope you enjoyed it. I'm really looking forward to this podcast moving forward and looking at some of the different feuds of the territories. And I hope you will join me for the ride. So until next time, um, we will see you then when we do episode number two. Good night, everybody. Well, you called me up this morning. 
Told me about the new love you found I said I'm happy for you I'm really happy for you Found someone else I guess I won't be coming round I guess it's over, baby It's really over, baby And from what you said I know you've gotten over me It'll never be I'm really happy for you. 